Today's study is about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is really the sphere of God's rule. You know, we get a taste of it now as Christians. Uh, we get, you know, to live in the kingdom of God even here on earth. But we're going to get the whole enchilada when we're home in heaven, man. One day we're going to literally, physically be home in the kingdom of God. And we're going to see today two things. Number one, receiving the kingdom of God. How we need to receive it in order that, number two, we might enter the kingdom of God. And so we begin reading here in Mark chapter 10 in verse 13. It says, And then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, he laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. And so they say back then in Jewish culture that it was common for moms to bring their children to distinguished rabbis. And so uh, they brought their children to Jesus so that he could touch them. Imagine how awesome it would have been for Jesus to touch your child. What an awesome opportunity. But as they brought their children to Jesus, the disciples uh, set up a roadblock. Uh, they even rebuked those who brought their kids to Christ. They scolded them. Imagine that. And they said, you know, surely Jesus doesn't have time for the children. And so when Jesus found out about it, notice there in verse 14, it says he was greatly displeased. He was indignant. He was angry with his disciples. He, he said, don't stop them from coming to me. As a matter of fact, he said, because for of such is the kingdom of God. And this is very important for us to know, you guys. One of the things that you'll find it's so beautiful about Jesus is that he elevated the status of children because back then they didn't really think much of kids. And he also elevated the status of women. When you study Christianity, you will see it. It's unlike any other religion in the world because it's not a religion. It's a relationship. It's the truth. It's faith. It's just the fact how God values everyone, Right? And so as servants of Christ, uh, we need to know this. And as we look at this section right here, a couple of things stand out to me. Number one, we need to know how important children are. I can't overemphasize that point, how valuable children are. And then number two, I think we're going to learn how we can learn from the children. And we're going to see that. And I know I've experienced that in my life, right? I mean, we learn from them so many things. But first of all, how important they are. You know, one of the things that you guys got to know, please don't ever consider a child like a sort of second-class citizen, man. Don't ever consider them, you know, less. Don't ever consider time spent with a child as wasted time. Never, ever, ever. You know, there's a story, it's a true story about Charles Francis Adams. He's a 19th century political figure and diplomat. He was actually the son of President John Quincy Adams and the grandson of President John Adams. And it turns out that Charles Francis, he kept a diary, and we have that diary still today. 
And one day he made the following entry in his diary. It said, went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. But his son, interesting, Brooke Adams, uh, made this in his diary entry, which we still have today as well. He said, went fishing with my father today, the most wonderful day of my life. Imagine that. You know, the father thought he was wasting his time while fishing with his son, but his son saw it as the best day of his life. It is never a waste of time. We need to invest into the lives of the children. Go fishing, have fun together, work together, play together, pray together, tickle them, teach them. What a wonderful investment it is for them and for you when you spend time with children. Because I'll be honest with you, I think now, for me anyways, the roles are reversed. I've come to realize that children are beyond beautiful. I've never seen one that isn't. And it's not a matter of, you know, me allowing them, you know, to spend time with me. To be honest with you, now it's come to the point of them allowing me to spend time with them. You know, sometimes I see some of the kids running around here and I just want to give them a hug or a high five. You know, I want to stop them and I want to talk to them. But what ends up happening is when I do stop and talk to them, they, for five seconds they'll stop and they'll say, oh, no, he's boring. And then they kind of go away and, they, you know, <laughs> you know, and they're running around with all that energy. So I figured out the secret, man, candy, candy. <laughs> you know, but, but God help us to know that children's ministry here at the church and especially at home must not be hindered in any way because they are so impressionable, moldable, pliable, shapeable when they're little children and you have to take advantage of that. You know, I don't know about you, but I love kids. I love how they're so transparent. You know, they haven't developed yet the skills of hypocrisy that adults have, right? I mean, if you want to know, find out what's going on at home, you just talk to the kids. They'll give you the whole scoop, right? I mean, they're transparent. They're honest. They haven't developed those filters that we have to be fake with people. The other day I was spending time with the cutest little boy and he told me, you got a nose hair in your nose. And, <laughs> and I guess it was sticking out far and I should have trimmed it. Why don't adults tell me stuff like that, you know? <laughs> They're gullible, but in a good way, man. They believe. They believe because that part of their heart has not been destroyed yet. That's why they're so beautiful. That's why it's so important to protect them and do everything you can to take them to Jesus because they're quick to believe and they are so impressionable. One person said children are like wet cement. Whatever falls on them makes a lasting impression. And you guys got to know this, you know, and especially if you have a newborn child and, you know, you're raising them up, please understand under the very early ages and stages of their life, man, they are taking it all in. And so we have to be very careful with this. Our children are far more likely to be committed to Christ if we raise them up in the ways of the Lord from a young age. And so keep bringing your children to church service. Establish that discipline at a young age. Be faithful in that and in your home. Let your home be like a church where you love them, you're an example to them, you teach them God's word, and you fan that faith that they have. Please don't 
crush the kids by neglecting their spiritual life or by neglecting them, by abusing them physically or many times parents abuse their children, they beat them verbally. Be so careful. Don't crush them by getting between them and Jesus. Remember how important they are. And remember, you know, we can learn from them. You know, just as a quick side note, it's interesting. Last night's study, Dr. Belowian was talking about how when our children pray for us, how maybe that's the key that makes a difference in our life because, you know, the, the faith of a child. We, can, we can't crush that faith, how we need that faith in so many ways. I mean, their prayers for us and, and the lessons that we learn from them. We could glean and we could grow from their childlike faith. Again, it's not a childish faith. It's not immaturity. There are some Christians who have a childish faith. It's immaturity. No, we need a childlike faith. That's purity. I believe that God can do anything, right? That's what we need to have, that simple, solid, wonderful, beautiful faith in Jesus. How many of you here know that God uses children in your lives? Just out of curiosity, how many of you guys know that? I pray you'd be thoroughly convinced. You're going to find them to be the best teachers of all. They're the best teachers in your life, that's why you need to pay attention to them because God speaks through the children. And I read about a mom who saw a fierce thunderstorm forming in mid-afternoon and so she was worried about her little girl who would be walking the three blocks from school to go home. And so deciding to meet her little girl, the mom started heading in her direction and as she watched, she saw her little girl uh, nonchalantly walking along the sidewalk and she said that the little girl stopped to smile whenever the lightning flashed. And so then the little girl saw her mom and she ran to her mom and she said, Mommy, Mommy, God's been taking my pictures all the way home. <laughs> you know, and, and you might, you hear that story and you're thinking, that's silly. You know what? It's not as silly as you think. I mean, it's true. In one sense, it's true. Do you know that God is always watching over you? Do you know that even in the middle of the storm that you're going through right now, that he has his eyes all over you, that you're not alone, that there's nothing, there is nothing to be afraid of when you're in Christ? I mean, we learn from the kids, right? And then there's a story of Teddy who's been misbehaving, right? He's been misbehaving, and so he was sent to his room. After a while, he came out and told his mom that he had thought it over, spent some time in prayer, and he was good now. And so his mom said, okay, great. If you ask God to forgive you and help you to behave, then he will answer. To which the mom replied, oh, I didn't ask him to help me behave. I asked him to help you put up with me. <laughs> and, and you know... I mean, I think that we can learn from them. Here we are in life. We're like, God, change him. God, change him. God, change her. God, change her. God, change this situation. And God, you know what God's saying? You change. You change. You grow. You become a man of God. You become a woman of God. 
And we learn from our kids, right? We learn from them. You know, one thing they're usually pretty good at is just receiving, you know, just receiving. That's why Jesus said what he said here, that we need to receive the kingdom like children do. You know, anyone who doesn't, Jesus said, cannot enter the kingdom of God. And they won't experience what Jesus gave to these kids on that day. Notice again here in verse 15, Jesus said, Assuredly, and that's uh, in the Greek, amen, amen. I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up, notice, in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. You guys know that heaven is a gift that you receive? You know, when we worship, there's different reasons we, we lift our hands. Sometimes we lift our hands and surrender. You know, and the Holy Spirit just works in your life and you're just surrendering, you're praising. But another reason, according to the scriptures, that we lift up our hands is to receive. And we need to have that heart, just like a kid does. You know, for us, we develop the mentality that says there's no such thing as a free lunch. I mean, we don't even think lunch is free, and, and yet here we read that life is free. That all we have to do is receive God's love, receive God's forgiveness, receive God's freedom, receive heaven, receive the kingdom. You don't go work for it, you give your life to Christ and you receive. And the Lord is saying right here that unless you receive like the, like the little child does, then you're not going to get in. It's not a religion that you work for. It is a relationship that you surrender to as you give your life to Christ. And he gives you eternal life. You know, when looking at this, we see that that's why the Lord gave us this command. John chapter 1 verse 12, the Bible says, But as many as received him... To them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Jesus says, I want to give myself to you. Will you receive him? And as you do, the Bible says, then you become his children. And so we learn, first of all, from the children about receiving the kingdom. And then secondly, we read this next story about a young, rich young ruler entering the kingdom because look what it says in mark 10 and verse 17 it says now as he was going out on the road one came running and knelt before him and asked him good teacher what shall i do that i may inherit eternal life and so jesus said 1000 push-ups no i'm just joking he just said why do you call me good no one is good but one that is god he said you know the commandments do not commit adultery do not murder do not steal do not bear false witness do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And then Jesus, looking at him, notice this, loved him. I love that, that verse. He loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come. I love that. Come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word. Why? He went away sorrowful. Why? Because he had great possessions. You know, Matthew 19.22 informs us that he was young. So he's a young guy. Luke 18, 18 tells us he was a ruler. So he was a prominent guy. 
And all three Gospels reveal that he was rich. And it's for this reason we refer to this story as the story of the rich young ruler. And so he comes to Jesus really with the most important question of all, how do I get eternal life? How do, I, how do I know that one day when I die, I'll go to heaven, right? It's interesting how he comes with this most important question, but he doesn't really know that he's talking to the most important person. You know, he calls Jesus a good teacher, and so what the Lord does is he tries to make him think a little bit about that title because here's the thing, unless the rich young ruler knew who he was talking to, he would never follow him. I mean, if you knew that God was calling you to follow, then you would follow. But if you think that guy's just a good teacher, then you're probably not going to follow him when he tells you to abandon everything you know. And so, you know, the Lord tries to make him think. He doesn't say, I'm not good. He doesn't say, I'm not God. He's just trying to make him think about who Jesus is, and then he's trying to make him think about who he really is, right? And he, and he asks him about these commandments. Oh, you know the commandments, right? And Jesus mentions five of them here. Now, it's interesting that the Lord doesn't quote any of the first four commandments, which have to do with one's relationship to God. Neither does he quote the last commandment, which has to do with covetousness. I believe that those commandments that he didn't quote were probably commandments that he didn't keep. The ones that he did quote, it's interesting that you, the rich young ruler says, well, I, I've kind of kept these ever since I was a kid. You know, and uh, giving him maybe the benefit of the doubt, although no one's perfect, maybe he had been consistent in those other things, right? Fairly consistent, I don't know. I know he was guilty of them, but bottom line is maybe he was consistent in them. You know, and the thing that really makes this fascinating to me is just how, you know, here we just got done talking about the kids growing up in the faith, right? And, you know, we raise our children in the ways of the Lord, right? This guy has been keeping his commandments since he was just a kid, right? Uh, and, but, but here's the thing. As they get older, many times our children come to that crossroad where their faith is challenged or it needs to go beyond the God of Abraham, to the, to the God of Isaac, or to the God of Jacob, or to the God of, of Manny. Or he has to go beyond my parents' God, where you own it for yourself as a young adult, and you say, no, he's my God. That, that's where those young adults, and as they grow and old enough to make their own decisions, they have to come to that place. Well, I've been doing that since I was a kid, you know, and I got money and I got power, but I'm still empty. I'm still empty inside. What do I need to do to have life? And he would see Jesus teaching and he would see Jesus preaching and the words and the works, they just penetrated his heart. He said, man, there's something about Jesus Christ. And I know he's got the answer. And so he ran to him, the Bible says, and he knelt before him and he asked this question, right? And, you know, the rich young ruler had been keeping the commandments, but now he needs to go beyond the patriarchal religion and into a personal relationship. And so the Lord, you know what he does? As he wants to draw him into heaven. You guys know this. God wants everyone to get saved, right? What does he do first? The first thing he does is he loves him. He loves him. The Bible says, and looking at him, 
He loved him. You know, and, and I don't know, I don't think Mark was just giving like a fact or a theological truth. I think what Mark here is trying to communicate is that you can see the love of the Lord in the eyes of the Lord when he was just looking at him. You guys know how it is, right? You guys know that you can communicate with your eyes? You guys know that? You can be all like that. Or, you know, you can be, um, you know, romantic. I remember the first time I saw Shelly, I fell in love with her. Bottom line is, it was love at first sight. And I bet you if you saw my eyes, it were goo-goo and gaga eyes, right? I mean, you could see it in the look. And what the Lord says is that, man, the first thing you got to know, all of you got to know, the world's got to know, the whole wide world, doesn't matter who they are, what nationality, what color, doesn't matter what they've done, everyone has to know that God loves them. He loves them. And so looking at him, he's just communicating with his eyes. Mijo, I love you. I love you. Because when you know that God loves you, the Bible talks about how, you know, with those everlasting cords of love, he draws us to him. When you know that his commandments and his words are motivated by his love for you, then you're going to, you know, you're not going to have a hard time obeying him. And so looking at him, he loved him, and he said to him, one thing you lack. There's one thing that's getting in the way between me and you. There's one thing that's getting in the way between you and life, you and heaven. There's one thing. For you, this is the one thing. He says, go your way. Sell whatever you have. Give it to the poor. Don't worry, you're going to have treasure in heaven. And come, take up your cross and follow me. And, and looking at this right here, you know, what I, what, I, what I believe that Jesus is trying to say is that all of us here, we have things that come between us and the Lord and you have to make that decision, you know? It, it, what I find, John Stott said this, that there's usually three things that get in the way between us and the Lord. Number one is ambitions that are not of the Lord. Oh, you want to do that with your life. So you don't go to church. You don't read your Bible. You don't pray. You don't follow Jesus. Why? Because you have that ambition. You want to do that with your life. Or a lot of times it's uh, relations, you know, where, you know, you put that person before the Lord. Or maybe you're here and you're a Christian girl and there's a guy who, who's interested in you, but he's not a Christian and you choose the non-Christian guy over Christ. And that comes between you and the Lord, you know, or the ambitions or the relations or, or oftentimes, like we see here, the possessions, especially here living in the States, man, where we are filthy rich. We're so distracted with, the, with, the, with money and the things that money can buy. And I talk to people all the time, and they've got the house, the car, they got the clothes, they got it made in the shade, they got retirement coming up. It's not a problem, and they don't need God. And that's what ends up happening. So for this young man who Jesus loved, this was the, the issue for him. The Lord said, that's what's getting in the way. And so what you need to do is to sell it all. Come, follow me. And what we find is that it's an exchange life. You exchange it in and then God blesses you beyond your wild imaginations. It's just a tragedy that some people will go to hell because they chose that ambition 
over the Lord. They will go to hell because they chose that relation over the Lord. They will go to hell because they chose those possessions. And it's not always hell. As a matter of fact, sometimes even Christians do that. And what they do is they, they, they have a saved soul but a wasted life because they didn't put Christ first. Sometimes it's just that one thing, you know, and if I could just ask you guys because I know how much the Lord loves you and I know the work that he wants to do in your life, and if you guys could only imagine, man, the amazing things, do you realize the great adventure it is following Jesus Christ? You know, last night, it was kind of cool if I could just share this. I hope I don't embarrass anybody, but I was having dinner with Dr. Belowian. Uh, we had the married couples, and so I get to talk to him, Married Couples Fellowship, and I was just telling him about how um, our church gets to go to Cambodia, right? And uh, we go every year, we go in June. But I was telling him, the reason we go is because one day, an 18-year-old young girl, an 18-year-old you know, young woman had enough courage to go to Cambodia. Now we go. And, and the things that God will do with a young person's life, when they are abandoned to him, what God has done in families like that, you know, you got young guys, and some of them are over there. They're playing games. They're living their own life. They're living for themselves. And what they're kind of doing is almost like they're playing video games in the Grand Canyon. Uh, Stephen Cruz Jamin talks about that. Lift up your eyes. Look at how beautiful life can be if only you would follow the Lord. You know, here the Lord says, you know, sell that stuff, man. Even Donald Trump said it doesn't make him happy. <laughs> sell it. I mean, if that's what's getting in the way, I mean, if bottom line is you're like, well, I'm not rich. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you start traveling the world, third world countries, you find that you've got running water, you got hot water, you know, you got meat, you eat meat. Oh, wow, you got toilets. I mean, you name it, man. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we have. How many pairs of shoes do you have? 37, huh? I admit it. <laughs> you're rich and you're busy, right? And what we find is a lot of times people choose those types of things over God. You know, be so careful with that, you guys. It's tragic when people will not follow Christ because of their career. People will not follow the Lord because they love someone else more. And some people will not follow the Lord because they are possessed by their possessions. Have you ever heard that saying, if you have something you can't live without, then you don't own it, it owns you? Or how about that maxim of Jim Elliot who said, no man is a fool who gives up that which he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. God, open our eyes to these things. We live in this country, in this place, where we worship mammon and we don't worship God. You know, Jesus taught about this in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, where he said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A while back, remember guys, you guys remember King Tut, that whole thing? 
I mean, there was a song about it, but, you know, they, they, you know, they found his tomb, and man, he was a young guy. I think when he died, I'm not 100% sure, maybe about 19 years old, just, just rich, and they buried him with all the gold, all the gold. He didn't take it with him, but you can send it ahead if you live for the Lord. Be careful, you guys. If you're, you're like, well, I don't have a lot of money, Manny. Well, it still can get in the way. It can. If you think about it, you get a penny, you hold it close enough to your eye, it'll block the sun. Right? Man, we have this lesson for us to take to heart. It's heartbreaking to see what this young man ended up doing. He walked away from Jesus Christ. He walked away from the love of the living God. He walked away from those things that kept him from Christ. And just the battle within, it rages. Undoubtedly, there was part of him who heard Jesus teach the greatest words ever taught and saw Jesus do the greatest works ever done, but he couldn't follow the Lord. He ends up walking away. And so in closing in verse 24, the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches, that's the thing, to enter the kingdom of God. Earlier he said how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. But the key is when you trust them, what we read in verse 24. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. I mean, it's a challenge. If you have money, it's hard. You know, and and so when they read this in verse 26, they were greatly astonished and they said among themselves, well, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it's impossible. But now with God, for with God, all things are possible. And I think in that verse, verse 27, the Lord's talking about the rich man and the poor man. Who can be saved? Who can be saved? That rich man over there, can he be saved? Yes. Yeah. You know, money's not bad. The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all kinds of evil. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. I know guys, and I've read about guys that give 90% of their income to the work of the ministry. You know, some guys, they're rich, and they give a lot to the Lord, you know, and they have a lot, and man, they love the Lord. So being rich is not really the problem. The problem is when you love those riches before loving the Lord. And so, you know, when you see it's all said and done, the Lord says, well, yeah, it is challenging for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, it's impossible for anybody to go to heaven without me. And that's kind of what he says at the end. You know, Saul the apostle, if God can save Saul, who was the the persecutor of the church, he murdered Christians. If God can save him, he can save anybody. You know, the other day I was in the hospital. My mom was having surgery, so I was talking to my Aunt Mary. And she's a, she's a prayer warrior. She's a prayer warrior. And she said, you know who I pray for every day? She told me, I pray for him every day. El Chapo. El Chapo. <laughs> and you guys know that Mexican guy, that drug lord and all that kind of stuff? And I'm like, man, Tia Mary, you pray for El Chapo every day? She's like, yes. If God can save Saul, then God can save him. And imagine if he, he got saved. You know, that's what she, she says, Right? I mean, it's the bottom line. With God, anybody can get saved. I mean, look around. (laughs) 
I mean, I can tell you stories about our pastors. I can tell you stories about our leaders, about people here. It's just so beautiful, man. It doesn't matter what your background is. I was talking to a lady after first service, and she's getting all her tattoos removed because God has done such an awesome work in her life, and she doesn't want that identity anymore. God can save anybody. I mean, you know, you're not too good to receive the Lord, and you're not too bad to receive the Lord. And I just pray that you guys would know his love and that if you, if you haven't yet come to that place of giving your life to Christ, receiving it like a little child, what are you waiting for? Today's the day. I pray that today you would receive Christ as Lord and Savior, that as Christians, you know, what I, what I was thinking about kind of the way it works for us as Christians and looking at our study today is that we would spend more time with the children and maybe spend less money on ourselves and that we would completely give our life to Jesus Christ.